Washington. I go by the hex today. And how are you feeling, girl? I'm feeling sleepy because it's past midnight here. Yeah, but we have to finish recording the intro episode. Mm, it sounds exciting. It was exciting. So I'm awake. Yes, and again. the hex actually had the nerve to say this in the podcast. I've been like, you gotta stop. With the stealing and the heroin <laughs> and the begging for money, you gotta stop. <laughs> the nerve of me. And Winnie tries to remember just how old she really is. I grew up there, and when I was um, 13, well, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So this episode is gonna be super interesting because it's um, more or less um, an introduction to us. It's and a love letter to our past selves. Yes, and who we are right now and what we want to be in the future. It's more so. like an intervention. Of our past <laughs> selves. Yes. So. Uh, <laughs> Keep uh, tuned in because this is the first episode and there is like a sound issue here and there, but it's not a lot. So if you can push through some of that, that would be great. Mm. Also, this episode has two parts. There is, uh, if you will see it even on the um, show list, it, mm -hmm. there will be two episodes of the same content. All right, let's jump straight into it. Let's push through, ladies. Yes, God. Mm. All right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hey. So this <laughs> is our first episode ever. Oh my God, I'm so nervous. <laughs> yeah. We've never done any episodes before this at all. She's lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done a couple of episodes, but we wanted to leave the intro episode for um, just before we release it so that we are like comfortable with what we do and et cetera, et cetera. For sure. We want to be able to make sure everybody knows exactly who we are. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, we actually recorded the intro episode, but um we both didn't like it that much, so we decided to redo it again. Mm. And I hope you guys stay tuned for the whole episode and listen to what we have to say. We would really appreciate you guys leaving us reviews and telling us what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right, and just improving the quality of our show, basically. For sure. Or just leave a review, five stars, saying that we're sickening. Yes. We will accept. <laughs> True story. Even if... You're just one of our paid associates. Yes, and if you cannot find me on Grinder, just send me a message down there in the review section. Oh my lord. And we I will pick. find you. Yes, and I accept NSFW pictures as well. Nisfowat pics. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't when I see an acronym, I always want to like say it out loud. Oh, Nisfowat. <laughs> what the fuck? Like when I see like WTF, I'm like, what the fuck? Imagine, imagine. It sounds funny. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, dive into it because today we will be talking about ourselves, mm, um, where we're our from, yeah, <laughs> where we are right now, why we do drag, etc., etc. Because at the end of the day, 
this podcast's main aim is to make sure that somebody out there without a traditional drag family is able to get some tips on how to do drag when they are alone, basically. And sort of, they uh, they can tune into this podcast almost as a way to grow with the Hanoi drag scene, because I'm sure as we go along, our scene is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Hopefully. So they get, well, (laughs) no, that is the aim for sure. Yeah. No ifs, just wins. (laughs) And I think not only can we give them tips about how to start doing drag without a family around, but they could also kind of see how a small scene like us grows without drag families by just creating our own family, really. Yeah, exactly. That's so important. Creating mm. community. Community! Yes. Hashtag community. Hashtag snap. drag orphanage. Just snap, snap. <laughs> yes. All right, so let's get into it. Um, personal history, uh, before we did drag, <clears throat> do you want to start or should I start? Let's start with Winnie. Okay. Because your history will go back to the beginning of the whole scene. So I think it's fitting. Um, sure. Okay, so I will start by who I am. I will not give you my boy name because um, <laughs> actually I don't even have any boy account that I'm active on anymore. Everything I'm active on is Winnie Wakanda Washington. Yeah. I do have a Facebook account that I don't use anymore because... I'm not comfortable with my body and until I feel that I've lost enough or gained enough muscles, that, oh account, my Lord. that account is going to remain then, inactive. So you're keeping your boy like trapped somewhere until he gains enough muscle. Yes. I feel like this is some kind of personal <laughs> dark night of the soul situation or like Imagine. you stuffed him away <laughs> yeah, until he's... he's good enough for you to look at. Exactly. That's like showing all my insecurities right now. I'm serving you Rakim Sakura's insecurity realness. Well, you know, RuPaul's <laughs> always looking for vulnerability. Yeah, I And guess I think so. you served it at the right time. Imagine, so imagine. Cue the piano yeah. music <laughs> and the tears. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would really love to have a hot body because I haven't taken a picture, like a full picture of myself as... Mm, boy name 100%. in like a very long time yeah you're right i don't know if i've ever done that and felt good about it i have to be honest i mean and i used to be thin so maybe from the back side but because of the tire on my stomach the front side not so much uh, <laughs> back roll <laughs> <gasps> well i was hoping for back rolls in the right place not uh, on the actual back sabotage yes rolling down to the 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 what little butt I have. <laughs> oh yeah, true. All right. So anyway, I am from South Africa, uh, the motherland where life began. It's been scientifically proven that the first human being was from South Africa. Yes. Australopithecus naledi, I believe, yes. was the term. And of course, that translates to Adam and Steve. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm from South Africa. I grew up there. I was born in a township called Attridgeville. Shout out, Paley. And... Um, I lived with my grandmother and my other family members. We were like 
ten people in a two bedroom house. Okay. So you can imagine how messy that could be. We could sleep anywhere you could find. <laughs> you know, the the only bedrooms that were available were reserved for my grandma and grandfather, and the rest were like for everyone else. Do you think it created a sense of closeness with your family, at least? I think so. Yeah, I think、um, on a positive note, we definitely are close. I'm not close with them because I'm the black sheep of the family.、Oh. But even so, they know me really well. And our family before coronavirus,、oh. we used to meet.、Um, I, I mean, I wasn't there because I've been living abroad for like a long time. But my family meets. Almost every weekend at my grandmother's house、mm. to this day. So I believe that even after coronavirus, they're going to、um, continue that tradition. It's just that right now they're under quarantine and lockdown and blah blah blah. And my mom is a health worker, so she will make sure that everyone is safe. Yeah, first and foremost. Thank goodness we need more people like her. Yeah. Everywhere, everywhere except Vietnam and what Taiwan. Yeah, like it just people that still haven't figured it out. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> have not had it figured out.、Oof. So I was in that to、um, another part of Attridgeville, and it was just me, my mom, my sister, my stepdad, and me. Oh, oh, just the four of us. Yes, I counted <laughs> myself twice.、Um, we moved there, and I think about five years later, we moved to a suburb called Kilna Park.、Um, and、okay. yeah, I didn't get to live there for long because I think afterwards I had to go to university. And one thing I knew for sure is that I do not want to live with my family when I was in university.、Mm-hmm. And I went to <clears throat> the University of Witwatersrand. Shout out to the Vitsies、okay. out there, and that's basically where I found myself. That's where I found my queerness. That's where I found my identity. That's when I knew how to basically articulate my thoughts and be sure about them, and not articulate them in a way that I felt like I was being programmed by somebody. Did you never feel your queerness when you were? Well, I'm, maybe you had an inkling of it, but what about in high school? Of course,、example? I did, but I never had sex until I was nineteen.、Mm-hmm. The only queer experience I remember was me kissing a boy, like on top of a table in front <gasps> of everyone in the classroom,、oh. and that was in grade two. Wow! And after that, <laughs> like, I never really did anything with anyone、mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, because I guess I had to hide it somehow. Yeah. You know,、um, I remember how my uncles used to hate the fact that I played with girls exclusively. <laughs> that I only played girl activities. I think the only boy activity I liked was wrestling. And we can, <laughs> you know、John、why、Cena. I like wrestling? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm gonna get rough like John Cena.、Nah. <laughs> Shout out to Joba Jersey, but like, yeah,、um, it, it was the only sport that I liked to do because it was basically physical contact with men's genitals.、Oh、but、my. that was like on a subconscious level as well.、Uh-huh. It wasn't that I wanted to do that when I was aware of it. And now you've taken the 
WWE to the bedroom <laughs> with WWW, Miss Washington. Basically, yes. Wrestling with boys. <laughs> yes, all the time, all the time. Mm. So, yeah, when I was in university, I broke my virginity when I was 19. And um, I I started, a, my actually, my first encounter with drag was in university. Mm. Um, there was a play called Fuck Me Queer, directed by Tracy Human. Um, I don't know where Tracy Human is now, but at the time... Maybe on a soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> she was a director and a producer, so mm. I, I don't know if she's an actress as well. Ah, okay. She wasn't a lecturer at the university. We just She just had that production that she did for Pride Month. Oh, okay. And I was in the house of um, Victoria, Ooh. and I was the mother of the house of Victoria, and it was just... With my two friends, like Tracy Human made us watch Paris is Burning. And she told us that we have to build houses and like just create a queer space. And that was going to be our performance. Mm. I hated performing, but because my major was um, dramatic arts. Oh, my major was film, but Mm. my degree is dramatic arts. So I needed to have a performance credit somewhere and I knew that I didn't want to be in a play and learn lines and blah 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 (laughs) so a workshopped experience like fuck me queer was basically made for me so I decided to do that and I was just wearing my friends clothes and they looked good because they're biological women Mm -hmm. you know but I looked weird and I (laughs) I'm sure if one of those photos popped up somewhere somebody (laughs) Come on, Nancy Drews. Somebody has it out there. I don't know where. Um, But like, yeah, after that, I never actually really did drag or knew about drag anymore. I just left it behind me, even though I had seen probably one episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. But I never invested in it Mm -hmm. until my friend uh, Reggie um, showed me season six. And I remember watching Bianca Del Rio just reading these cunts to (laughs) Phil. And that's when I fell in love with the show. And I showed it to all my friends. And they also loved, 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 loved the show. Mm -hmm. And from there, I went back to season five, season four, season three, season two, season one. Season six was like when production levels had really upped the game. Oh, yeah, maybe that's why, yeah, because I really love TV that looks good. Yeah. You know, but um, looking at it now, even, yeah, I don't think I would have enjoyed the show if I started from season one, two, three, or five. So six was the perfect start for me. Mm. And moving forward, I watched ep- every episode to this day. Yeah. Um, And from there, I graduated and I got an internship to work at a correctional service and... <laughs> I know, uh, at a correctional center called M. Tonjeni. And I was an intern there. I was going to be the drama intern because I was interning under the sports recreation arts and culture section. And luckily for me, it was at the juvenile section. Because <laughs> let me tell you, the first day I went there, they took us like around the prison to show us like as an induction kind of moment. Mm-hmm. And the juvenile center was fine. But when I went to medium, they all knew I was gay. Like, they called me Senzo. They were like, Senzo, baby. Senzo, (laughs) Senzo. And 
Senzo is this character from uh, a popular soapy in South Africa, which I shall not mention for personal reasons. Okay. Um, she wa- he was one of the <clears throat> only gay representations that we had in South Africa in like 20. And was he like super turned up to 100 on the gay scale, on um, the flamboyance? No, no, he wasn't flamboyant. He oh, was okay. like your heteronormative gay guy that everyone wants, oh. everyone thinks that a gay guy should be. You know, oh, the okay. world loves heteronormative gay guys. We see it to this day. Not, I think gay guy, well, it depends on, well, no, no, I think a lot of gay guys do like heteronormative gay men, unfortunately, but in America, the way that they would represent gay people most of the time was making them super flamboyant and like with their bag hags. Oh yeah. I mean, in a comedy, sure. We had like comedy shows with like gay guys who would wear all the makeup Mm -hmm. and everything, you know, like snap their fingers. Yes. Basically wear, wear the most colorful pants with like the most huge penis bulging out, you know, <laughs> like the chaps, yeah. assless chaps. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so, their leather, because of course, gay men obviously are freaks like that. Right? True. But basically generations was the biggest TV show. Oh, I said the name. Um, it was the biggest TV show at the time, you know? So like he was the face of gay culture in mm. South Africa, even though the guy portraying him is straight. Which is a problem we will not mention right now. But basically... different time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But when I went to that prison, they called me him. Mm. You know, it's like they could smell the faggotry coming out of my pores, you know. They wanted a piece. Yeah, and they wanted a piece. But yeah, I luckily I was not going to work there. I was going to (laughs) work with the juvenile section instead. And yeah, after that, I, I interned for like a full year. And I'm a bitch who likes to finish her contracts. So I made sure I finished my contract. And they asked me to go to the correctional school so that I can be an official officer. Ooh. And I just thought to myself, not your dream job? that is not what I was going to do. Because when I started, I did not want to do it. But I thought to myself, I was like, I could change people's narratives. I can show people that you can own your narrative. You can be who you are with your past and whatever and still move on from it. You don't have to let incarceration define you. Exactly. You know, so I, yeah, I thought like I would basically be the change that they needed for like the drama department there Mm. basically. But what I realized is that what they wanted me to do was do these stupid stories where a guy gets arrested after they get arrested, they go to prison and then they start believing in God and that's like the happy ending whatsoever, you know, and girl, I hate (laughs) happy ending stories, you know, if you know anything, especially with, you know, with Christianity, like in that way, yeah. Ugh. Exactly. Like I, I, I watch anti heroes, like you know. So mm-hmm. I don't like watching uh, hero stories. So imagine me putting my name next to a story that I didn't believe in. Yeah. You know. So I was like, no, fuck this. I'm not gonna do this. Uh, a redemption story. Exactly. Ugh. And to them, they thought that I thought I was better than them. And in my mind, I was not thinking that. I was just thinking that. I'm not going to go back to where I was when I was 17 
where I thought the world was just daisies when I know that poppy fields are everywhere. When you, you knew know? if you just believed in God, yeah, everything exactly. would be fine yes, at the exactly. end of the day. And I'm, I'm more of a pragmatic person. I do not believe in God whatsoever. God is know? dead. <laughs> I believe in yes, God. You know? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> but yeah, after that, I decided that no, this is not the life for me. So I decided that I'm not going to do this. And I made my first short film at the time after I quit. And it was funded by Natives at Large. Shout out to Natives at Large. Um, but it was also something I did not like because I'm passionate more about experimental cinema than um, narrative-driven stories. Mm -hmm. And I okay. also realized that I don't do well when producers tell me what to do with my story because my story started here and it ended up somewhere else. And to them, they thought my story was better uh, than it was when I got there. But mm -hmm. reflecting on that story, my initial intention, what I wanted my story to be about, it got lost to what they wanted the narrative to be, you know? And at the time, all I wanted to do was make the film and please these guys. Because... You wanted to be the queer David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, actually. Yeah. It was, um, I wanted a story that would be basically a publicity stunt more than anything. Oh, okay. And it just turned out to be a normal story, you know. And, I mean, it got to a festival in Tunisia, you know. Ooh. So I guess it was good for something, you know. <laughs> I, it was viewed in, like, four or five festivals, actually. It's good for you the know, Tunisians. So... Yeah. In the festivals. So it was it was it was a good experience, I won't lie, and I am really appreciative of it because it mm. just <clears throat> solidified who I am as a storyteller and I decided that I'm not going to um tell stories I don't want to tell anymore. So I decided to move to um Thailand um later on because one of my friends had moved here to Thailand to start teaching English. Mm -hmm. And she sent me a message and she said that I know that you don't have anything you're working on right now, but there's this cover spot that's available for like six weeks. And if you want it, I can recommend your name and you can get training and get working. Mm. And I said, <clears throat> okay, sure. Oh God. Um, <laughs> she and just I, saw the time yeah I just saw the time I've been <laughs> rambling for a while and then I said okay sure and then I ended up in Thailand and um, from there I started teaching English um, uh, for like three months in Thailand moved to a small town called Patum Thani moved to the south of Thailand to an island city called Trang uh, Did you see any drag shows while you were in Thailand? Of course. The Stranger Bar <laughs> was where oh, yes. me and my friend went for entertainment every single yes. week, no doubt. I've seen Pan Pan perform many times. Shout out yes. to Stranger Bar, even though they are probably too professional to even look at us. Yes, exactly. But at the time, like, you know, I, I and I can tell you now that, like, their drag has evolved. Yeah. Because, like, um, this was... Three years ago, I think. Only three uh, yeah, years ago. Almost four. Okay. Um, and 
Pangina Hills was not the monster that we see on the internet oh, yeah. today. You know, she was a good queen, sure, and she was mm. already famous in Thailand, mm-hmm. but she wasn't as gag worthy as she is today. Yeah. You know, when I saw her, she was just another, another queen. queen. She yeah. wasn't even the best in the cast, <gasps> you know, so yeah. <laughs> so to see her glow up and like turn out to like so such a high level yes. in four years was it's just an amazing glow up story yeah you know? congrats so, to her yeah <laughs> and then <laughs> when i moved to drang my friends decided that they're gonna leave thailand they're tired of it they're gonna come to vietnam and me being the only one who was gonna be left there i decided that i'm gonna move here with them mm. and when i moved <clears throat> here there was no drag culture whatsoever well yeah. We have to be careful when we say that. Oh, yes. Okay, we need to... Let me say that there was no drag scene. It was not a staple of nightlife entertainment. Yes, yes there was no scene. I'm sure there had been drag in the past or whatsoever. Yeah, I, I think like probably more so in Saigon, of course. Yeah, but in, in Hanoi, Saigon, but in Hanoi. Yeah. Even in Hanoi, I believe there were drag shows because Betty used to get hired by um, some people to come here, but... From her perspective, it was also like once, twice a year. Okay. It wasn't like how we hire her now. Like, Betty doesn't miss a month yeah. or two without coming to Hanoi to perform. You know, Shout so- out to Betty Queen, yes. the mother of Northern Vietnam Yes, drag. she's the queen of the North. Mm. So, yeah, there wasn't anything happening except for that. Okay. I think I should stop my story there. And then Already? allow you yeah, to, so that we can get to the same point. I can talk about when I got to Vietnam and how I started drag afterwards. But I want to hear your personal history and your personal story. Oh, okay. Well, when he's done and now we open the doors to <laughs> Hexy. It's very noisy. <laughs> if you can find a seat, there's probably like food and glitter everywhere, but take a seat. Yes. So I am Dexter Von Hex, but everybody pretty much calls me Hex. Or Hexclamation. Or Hexclamation. Hexy, execution. <laughs> Exaltation. Yes. Hexy, I like that one too. Probably because I can't come up with the name, but I like Vextra Von Hex. But anyway, so I'm not going to reveal my boy name. <laughs> Not because I'm in, really embarrassed, but just because I want to live the fantasy. All right. And I was actually, I'm American. I don't know if I said that, but I'm American. I was actually born in Southern California. Oh. But I mean, I say that to people, like, even back home, I would say it to people, you know, back in Oklahoma. And they would be like, oh, but it, I moved to Oklahoma when I was five. So I okay. barely remember much yeah. of California, except for I probably retain more of the accent than my sister. But my sister still has the California accent. Have you been to California as an adult? Of course. We, uh, luck, uh, since we had family there, we would go usually every summer okay. because we'd have a place to stay. So oh, all fair. my parents would have to pay yeah. for is the plane ticket, which probably wasn't as expensive as it was now. Okay, before you continue, I want to know. Apparently, California has the hottest men in the United States. Do you agree with that sentence? Uh, I don't... Okay, I remember when I would go, when I started hitting puberty, 
And I think I remember seeing people running around the beach, but of course they had hot bodies. I don't know if, and I guess you would see more people dressed in like, or like dyed hair and alternative clothing. And I thought that was attractive because in Oklahoma, especially Duncan, Oklahoma, we barely had any of that. Like okay, people okay. were dressed up like cowboys or just dressed up like plain, basic, all American, whatever. Okay, you gave me my answer. Let's go back to you <laughs> uh, moving from California to, to Oklahoma. Oklahoma when you were five. Duncan, Oklahoma. And I'm telling you, there is nothing there. There's flatlands. Um, everyone lives quite far from each other. It's like separate neighborhoods. And it takes maybe 10, 15 minutes to drive to the next one. And yeah, I was, I would say I was one of the only queer, nerdy, feminine gay guys, except for my best friend, who I met pretty much almost as soon as I moved to Oklahoma. So we were like this pair of weirdos, gay weirdos. And as far as discovering my queerness, I think I knew it when I was really young. Okay. Because I played with my sister's Barbies. I would put on her fake dresses. I think we've probably tried on lipstick before. <laughs> and I was very lucky because my family was not Christian. They oh. were not conservative. Lucky you, girl. Yeah. I was very lucky in that regard because the most my dad said when he saw me playing with Barbies was, uh, yeah, he would say like, Brian, what are you doing? Why aren't you playing with G.I. Joe? <laughs> and you wanted to play with G.I. Jane instead. Yes. <laughs> Even though I would make up weird stories with the Barbies, like murder mysteries. And oh, my God. One of my favorite. Oh, oh, sorry. Just hit the headphones. Hope that wasn't a big crash. But yeah, one of my favorite stories was the naked mountain girl and the kin who came to camp out at the bottom of the mountain, who would find her and bring her into society. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so fast forward, I mean, in high school, I think my best friend was one of the only people who came out as gay. And surprisingly, in a small uh, red state, a small red town like Duncan, he didn't really get bullied harshly. Okay. People would call him names, Sometimes, but a lot of people just kind of accepted it, really. All right. And, of course, I hung out with him. People thought I was his boyfriend, but I didn't officially come out till I was 18. Yeah. I thought you were fooling around from, like, a young age. Okay, yeah, I guess but, you knew, but you never told anybody. Yeah. I, okay. I would hate to say how young we started. Spill. Spill it. Spill oh, it. no. It's not. We started young. If you have a gay best friend... You guys are probably going to figure out ways to figure out your bodies when you're interested in that kind of thing. Yeah, we to say were. The least. I did have gay friends, and the thing about it is that we never actually came out to each other. We we knew, mm. but we never said it until we all lived separately and we met like years later, and everyone was pretty much out. Well, thankfully, yeah. like around the time that we were. 12-ish, the internet was becoming a Ooh, thing. Okay. <laughs> this is getting juicy. Showing my age. So it's like, of course, we have chat rooms and you can have long-distance relationships. You can find out more about other people outside of the small-ass 
Duncan area and their small-minded thinking. You can find people who live in bigger cities or different countries who might think being gay is completely normal or they're out already and they're older. That's what my friend, best friend Brett, actually did. He found some people that were out and talked to them and he decided at 14, oop, freshman in high school, I'm going to tell everyone I'm wow. gay. I'm going to come out. That takes balls. Yeah. And I'm going to be in choir. I'm going to be in theater. And Yes, mama. <laughs> I wish he still did it too. But me, I was, I don't know, for some reason in my mind, I thought I needed to keep it on the DL. I don't know why, you know, having a best friend who didn't care. And actually, we had another friend we met in high school who was gay. So it was like a triple threat of fags driving around small small towns of Oklahoma and going to the gay clubs eventually. <laughs> so I came out when I was 18. But when did you lose your virginity? Oh, girl. <laughs> I want to know. Much younger than that. <laughs> but I, but what if my parents listened to this? Much younger. Okay, I'm going to give numbers. Okay. Um, 16. Younger. 13. Okay, close enough. <laughs> 14. Nah, it's younger, but just... Oh, okay, we'll stop. let's stop there. <laughs> okay, but I... Okay, just so everyone knows, we were not like porn star kids or something. Oh, that sounds so weird. It was just kids, like two gay kids, trying to figure out their bodies because they are coming into yeah, feelings fair, of fair, sexuality. Fair. Yeah. So it, I would say I didn't have actual sex with a guy, like, full-on kissing like you see in porn until 17, maybe. All right, all right. Yeah. But, but you just, you did play around when you were younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, but I officially came out when I went to my first Pride in Oklahoma City. Yes, boy. When I was 18, yes. And I, and when I came to, dr to meet drag for the first time was at that Pride in a club called The Rec Room. Oh. Which actually allowed underage people to go in. They might have stopped at like age 16. Okay. I don't know. But we would see quite young kids in there. And then, of course, you would see old men in there. Of course. Yeah. And they were the creepers. And yeah, that was when I came out because I went to Pride. I saw all these people celebrating their gayness, their queerness. And I was like, a kid in a candy store. I was like, oh, everything <laughs> gay that I saw. And of course, when I saw Jack K. Monroe. Okay. She was the host of the Pride show at the rec room. And she was hilarious. She was a diva. She was telling everyone, like, reading people. She would yeah. burst open the doors and be like, sir, I'm gay to the yes, streets. God. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And when she started performing... I could not believe that there were people doing the things that I did in my bathroom mirror before a shower <laughs> and people ate it up. Lip syncing. Yes. You lip syncing. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, lip syncing, of course. And dancing around and feeling your oats and being a fucking diva. Goddess. Okay, Larger okay. than life woman. I was, oh, I was so, yeah. All but, right. <clears throat> And from there, did you decide to do drag or did you just keep it in the back of your mind for like the longest time? 
I wanted to do drag then and there. And seeing, even after the show, seeing this large and in charge woman um, having an entourage, what we call plastics, which were twinks with okay. tanned skin and platinum blonde hair spiked Ew. up and Ew. Abercrombie and Fitch polo uh. shirts with the collars flipped up and ripped faded jeans. That was like the style in 2008, 2006, 7, oh. 8. Well, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> <I> keep going. <laughs> I'm sure some people remember that because they were everywhere. But like I saw the entourage and then, of course, I saw this really beautiful, tall, black goddess that would come in sometimes. Me? No. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Before Winnie, of course. She was taller than Winnie, but... I remember seeing her too, and like she didn't, I don't think I ever saw her perform, but she would just come in with these long legs looking like a snack. And I was like, these people are so beautiful. So these people are goddesses, and I want to be one of them. Okay. For sure. I was like, <laughs> I want to walk around and look at people and fling my hair about and let and people stomp, eat it. honey. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> stomp every everything is my runway. The gravel streets are my runway. The farms are my runway. Okay, <laughs> and then after that, how did you end up here? Okay, well, I Or is there I'm, more to your story yeah, to tell? I'm, I know I'm rambling, but um I wanted to do drag immediately after seeing Jack K. Monroe. Okay. And her um what have you done today to make you feel proud? <laughs> I don't know that song. You don't song. know that song? No, girl. Okay, that's <laughs> me showing my ignorant American self, thinking everybody knows yeah, that, I song. Know that song. Anyway, they play it like every pride across America. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to do drag. I went and bought girl clothes, like real Imagine. girl clothes. okay. From Hot Topic, because I wanted to be like gothy or whatever. And bought makeup and tried to do some makeup. I never bought a wig. I just tried to walk around with makeup and girl clothes on for a while. But did you ever leave your house? Yes. Wow. And okay. I went to university dressed up all in this. I, I don't even know what I was wearing, but I thought I was cute. And, you know, it's such a small like Lawton, Oklahoma is where my university was at the time. Right. And it's bigger than Duncan where I basically grew up, but it's still very close-minded. And it's also okay. very much a dangerous city, like one of the most dangerous cities in America, supposedly. So walking around like that probably wasn't smart. Uh-huh. But I know I wasn't the only one doing it, but it felt like it because it, I just felt like I was walking around a bunch of, like, basic, <laughs> people and I was trying to live some fantasy and everyone was like what the hell is he doing so eventually I just stopped but I still wonder what would have happened if one of the queens did take me under her wing oh, like where would I be yeah. if oh they oh my god you'd be doing drag for like 20 years now yeah oh my god <laughs> <laughs> the shame at, at least a decade but not 20 years <laughs> okay keep going keep going but yeah but I mean Fast forward to here, but I, there's a lot in between. And I think we should probably start with your drag story before we start with mine. Okay. I do have, there's obviously a lot that happened in my life from here to Vietnam, because this is like 
18, 19 years old. And then I came to Vietnam when I was 26. All right. I mean, so how did you end up here? Let's because I, I believe you've only been here, right? You haven't worked anywhere else. Right. So how did you leave Oklahoma and get to Vietnam? Well, let's just say that at 26, I had been to jail. <laughs> I had been doing I had been an opiate addict specifically had gone to heroin. Oh, God by that time and so obviously i was needing a life change mm, because fair. the university i talked about just a couple of minutes ago i dropped out because i couldn't afford it Ugh. and i've been kept trying to go back but they said we need your transcripts and i'm sorry but you know you haven't paid off your tuition we can't release your 4.0 transcript <laughs> so it, it's just me working random jobs and doing drugs so at 26 I really wanted a life change. So I, for some reason, America waits until you're 25 okay. or 26 before they stop considering your parents' income for financial aid All right. from the government. Okay. Okay. I don't really know why, because my parents surely did, could not afford to pay for my college. But when I could finally get government assistance, I went back to school and I was like, I want to teach English in another country because I want to go somewhere else all right i want to completely change experience a different culture you know because i felt stuck i'd just been working like random restaurant jobs things like that yeah or random office jobs so you worked random jobs and went to school at the same time um well there was a period where i was i didn't go to school i dropped out at 2020 okay no 21 and this I didn't was go... your second year of yeah. school. And I didn't go back to school until 26. Okay. So it was just random jobs and fucking up life in general. <laughs> and then, yeah, I went back to school for English, although I should have probably done education. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that basically led me to Vietnam. I wanted to go to Japan, but fate had it that a random Vietnamese guy found me on a gay messaging website. Okay. Gay message board website. And messaged me and started talking to me about Vietnam. And then I looked into it and eventually made my way here. I just, I got a job with the online company, actually. Okay. And at some point I was like, wait a minute. Now I'm just working for a company that's based in Vietnam. So I could just buy a ticket and... and Go to Vietnam. How did you afford it since you didn't have much money at the time? Like for me, it was easy. I sold my car and left. <laughs> well, I was getting uh, refund checks because we would get financial aid refunds for like overpayment or something like like what we're okay. qualified for and then how much it actually costs. Okay. They will give you a refund. So I took that refund and I bought a ticket. All right. All right. Yeah. Fair. And ended up here. And Vietnam. you've been here for the last four, four years. Four years, like four and a half Damn, now. girl. Like, yeah, it's almost three for me. It's going to be three in November. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it feels like a long time. But, but I'm so, yeah, I'm so grateful that I got the chance to come out here. And I'm also grateful because I think I wouldn't still be here if my sister hadn't taken me from Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I was living at the time, and been like, you got to stop. 
with the stealing and the heroin <laughs> and the begging for money, you got to stop. And took me home to my mother's house. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. And that's made me go sister. to a methadone clinic. And some people would see that as like, you know, not getting off the drugs at all. But my life changed. My life went back to normal after going to a clinic. All right. That's yeah. good. Um, so I, I, I would love to hear more about this story. So we should probably have an episode just dedicated to drugs. Like, yeah, because, because that is a big problem in the gay, in the queer community. Yeah, sure. I, I'm really, really blind to it. So <laughs> I would really love to hear a perspective from you. And maybe we can find somebody else who can tell us their mm. story, who's also a queen or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, drug related, basically. All right. <laughs> Drug related queen. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um so um let's see. So I'll start by telling you how this scene here started because mm. you were not a part of the scene from like the beginning. Yeah, I and was a hermit. Yeah, we need to reiterate <laughs> that when we say that there was no drag, we don't mean that there wasn't drag at all in Hanoi. We just mean there wasn't an active party scene yeah, yeah. that we have seen over the past two years. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in I moved here in 2017, November 2017, and... Obviously, I came from Thailand, and even though I was living in a in an island city at the time, we would go to Bangkok all the time, you know, yes. because Thailand is <clears throat> fucking cheap, so we could mm -hmm. afford to like travel. I went on a holiday every single week, like it oh. was a great, easy life. And one of the things we used to do was go to Bangkok all the time because they had many clothes there. They had Chatuchak Market yes. and there were drag shows, yes. you know, and drag shows were like my way of escaping and like mm. finding entertainment. And they also had a lot of bathhouses, which I miss. A and lot. I'm sure a lot of hot guys. <laughs> yeah, I did not have Grinder. I only had Grinder for when I was living in Trang. And even then, I didn't have much sex back then <gasps> you know so yeah i i had like fuck buddies but this is this is like something strange because this is not the winning <laughs> that i know yeah what i happened? know I, I i don't know what happened but um i think um at the time when i came here i looked for drag mm. like i i searched for it and i couldn't find anything whatsoever i don't know why i didn't search because I mean, I, I love drag shows, and I'm surprised I didn't try to look for it. Maybe I was still trying to find my footing for a while. Maybe, yeah. yes, but I definitely did. It was one of the things, because it was my main source of entertainment, mm. you know? So I knew that, like, I wanted to find where the drag queens are so that I can just live for them being goddesses yes. and whatsoever. And I couldn't find these beautiful creatures in this country, which made my experience here very frustrating because really? the traffic was shit. Yeah. Um, Still high, shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at the time, I mean, not saying that it has changed a lot, but at the time, hiring a black person at your company, it was a mission for yeah. me. It took me two days to find a job, but it took me about eight months to find a really good job, mm. you know? So, what and a shame. yeah, a lot of people that I knew without degrees, without grade 12 certificates, yep. just because they were white, yep. it, it was easy for them to find jobs. Yeah, that is know? a whole nother 
topic we could dive into yeah, another day yeah, yeah. but Oof. so my my experience here was not a good one and i said to myself i'm gonna stay for six months and i am going to send the university that initially hired me in thailand to take me back mm. and put me in a school even if it's in a remote city in thailand i don't care but yeah. i can't live like this anymore and <laughs> no drag yeah, no deal no drag exactly Bye. i was like what <laughs> the only thing i had was my friday nights with me and my friend we had like thank god it's thursday because the series for thank god it's thursday would come out on a friday here oh, okay. so we would watch uh i would watch Grey's anatomy alone because she didn't watch it then we would watch <laughs> scandal then we would watch how to get away with murder mm. and we would call it a night and go home that was my only source of entertainment at the time and drag race too i imagine and drag race on a <laughs> saturday okay. um so um, I knew that I don't like Vietnam because of that. Mm. So I decided that six months and I'm out. But something incredible happened. There was a drag race screening that happened. And they were hosted by none other than Silver, Silver Saint, Saint Sinner. Who yes. is one of the living legends of Hanoi, basically. Yes, ma'am. And uh, at the time... I thought to myself, yes, finally something I can look forward to, mm -hmm. you know. And then I started attending these <clears throat> screenings and there was only one drag queen. Um, and they showed those screenings at the Beer Teta, right? Yeah, it was at Beer Teta, which is like a beer spot. Yeah. You know, so. A little, it was a, not really a beer club. No, it's not a club. It's yeah. like a beer spot. People go mm -hmm. there to drink beer and eat food. Yeah. Um, and there are many here. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, Silva did those screenings and it was really nice to see like so many queer bodies in one space, yes. even though there was only one queen at the time. And then Silver brought in Betty Queen and her many kids like Vanessa, Pinky, Mercy, Salida Queen. Her troop. Yeah, but they lived in high form, so they were not like a staple part of the Hanoi drag scene, you know, and... um. Zaza Zilia became no um Michaela Joe Carter became the second drag queen after Lavender and then Zaza Zilia became the third and and I did I did not know that Michaela Joe was like one of the first three she was she <laughs> was I remember her walking on stage uh in goth makeup she walked as Emma actually not even Michaela uh she because Michaela has like many person uh, characters yeah um so um, she walked as Emma, and Emma's like the goth uh, one in yeah. the family of the Carter <clears throat> sisters. And um, she was so nervous. like, And oh. she never even lip-synced or did anything. She would just come out in a look and, like, go home. Mm. You know, only Zazazilia and Lavender would be the ones who lip-synced every time. Mm. You know, and then um, the screenings were good, but... I wanted something better, so I decided to organize the very first drag show in the city. Um, at the time, even... Like, like, very first drag show that is, like, heavily advertised yes. and put on Facebook. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, this thing of, like, um, having a page on your Facebook and whatsoever, it all started with me because none of them had pages. Yeah. And, yeah, at the time, I wasn't even a, a queen. Somebody came to me and said, like, I think you can do this. I think you can be really good at it. And you're like, and, no, not performance. 
No, I actually said it as a joke. I was like, ah, do it. Put me in a wig, put me in a dress <laughs> and whatsoever and I can do it. But Hand I was over the drunk. Cat. Give yeah. me the ATM card and yeah, I'll <laughs> exactly. do anything you want. And a week later, he messaged me because um, I had this friend, um, uh, that girl that I don't want to mention on this podcast because she might cause drama for us. Um, it's... it's- it starts with the C. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> she was a good friend of mine at the time. And we would go to the screenings together. Mm-hmm. We, I would go to her house and we would chill whatsoever. And um, um, the guy invited us to his bar. Mm. Um, and he told me that I will give you $5 million to jumpstart your drag i want you to get shoes i want you to get a wig and i want you to get makeup wow um, a drag sugar daddy yeah he, he just gave me five million so, dom so technically you kind of have a drag father <laughs> <laughs> who currently hates me so but... <laughs> you're, you're now part of the house of the 100 oh my god he hates me now but like <laughs> at the time that's that that was what he gave me and he said like let's do a drag show here I want a drag show. He said he would give us like he built this um, canvas with all the victim members. Okay. He said he wanted victim members. Victim is like Betty Queen, Selena, Vanessa. The queens, yeah, the high form yeah. queens. The queen of the north is the mother of victim, mm-hmm. basically. So we called them up because we can bleep that out. Um, <laughs> she hired them like um, before in the past, you know, and then. Yeah. Um, they came, we had a meeting with them and they told me that they're going to help me with my drag and like, um, get it started. Betty did my makeup for the very first time. And then And you looked like a good? I looked, I was a member of Big Team. Have you seen Betty's beat? I haven't seen the picture from that time. I want to see it. It, It's like, think of Betty's face Uh and put it on my face. I don't know if I can imagine. <laughs> I just imagine like squiggly lines anymore. Squiggly lines, I mean, glitter. Girl, it's called wavy crease. Okay, it's a wavy crease, not like squiggly, squiggly lines. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes. So I'll I'll show you the pictures. Um, um, and I'll put it in the notes as well for people to see. Um, but yeah, basically that was it. That was my face. Like mm-hmm. if you look at the very first picture I posted on Instagram. That was my face. Okay. And then... Um, I go now? <laughs> okay, yeah, you can log on and look at my mug <laughs> because I was beat like victim. I yes. looked like I belonged in the house of victim. And so um, we had the first show and we had like, I think, almost 300 people. Oh, yes. That was the second show that okay. I did. And that's Betty's mug. You can see it. It's like it's a classic cute. victim mug. Yeah. yeah, you know, so like... I'm trying to find the very first one. The very oh, first dear. one. Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay, so that's this... cute. It's it's maybe a little too light, but it's cute. Yeah, the, the foundation stick that I got was the Cryolon stick that I use as a highlight now. Oh, because wow. it was way too light for me. But at the time, I couldn't find my foundation shade, so I had to work with what I had. She you gave know, you so... the smallest cut crease ever, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still, it was like a, a victim face, you know. And yeah. it looked good. Um, and I performed Cardi B's... Um, uh, they gave a bitch two options, stripping or lose. 
the very first song on her EP. That's the song I performed that night. Wow, look at that and... stage they built, too. <laughs> yes. It's like a full catwalk and everything. True. And my second number was Kitty Girl by the... Oh, okay. Uh, AS3 Girls. Yeah, AS3 Girls. So I knew the entire routine, learned it <laughs> just for the night. And then my gag was a paper that said Shangela was robbed. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, that was the first time I performed in drag. And basically from there, like, uh, Peach happened, I think, a few weeks later. Okay. And, started um, by Lavender, Started right? by Lavender at the time. And um, my show uh, inevitably failed um, because of creative disputes between me, um, that girl, and Vic Team. Like... Um, Betty did not like her her management style because mm. the things that she did were shady the house. To this day, there is a rumor that she took $15 million dom home when okay. she gave all of us 500000 at the time. So when we started, Girl. we were partners. <laughs> and then slowly but surely, she started to keep things from me and like, one day she told me that there are too many cooks in the kitchen. And I took that as like, okay, she doesn't want me to organize with her anymore. And I was like, whatever. Like, uh, I don't care. Mm. Like, all I want to do is just perform, yeah. you know. And that's what I did. And she fell out with Betty. And when she fell out with Betty, I was like, well, girl, you fell out with the best queen in the city. Yeah. So I'm going to follow the best queen. And you and I are cool, but... I can't I work with you. She sounds you know? like what if she actually did that, it sounds straight up dastardly. I found out <laughs> about the fifteen million Dom like a few months ago. I didn't even know what? about it until Betty told me. You know, so I did not know about it. To me it was the thing that I have to choose between being Betty's friend or just continuing working with this girl that Betty said was problematic. Well, thank and, God you chose. Yeah, I chose to be the queen's the friend because ladder. I was like, yeah, no, the... I, I know Betty, <laughs> you know, Betty and I had fought before that and we had solved it, you mm -hmm. know? So I knew that like when she has a problem with somebody, it's for a reason. Yeah. When she had a problem with me was because I took too long to do my makeup and I, <laughs> I was not willing to compromise on that, oh. you know, so um, we had like huge disputes about it, but we ended up cr squashing it and mm. we've been good ever since, you know, and um, me and the girl, we were fine. Like we still remained friends, but we never like chilled <clears throat> together mm. and like did stuff together anymore. We would just see each other online and still say hi to each other when we see each other. So that was... Um, I guess that was it. Um, so after that, Peach became like the longest running show and it still is. Mm. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So you, did you come up with your name immediately? Why did you come up with your name? Okay, so. Winnie Wakanda, Washington. This was, so my drag birthday is on the 4th of May. Um, and the reason why I came out with Winnie Wakanda, Washington was because April 2018 was a very dark, 
dark skinned, not dark. Oh. <laughs> it was a very specific year. I will quote Miss Shea Coulee when she says that her drag is a love letter to black women. And I would mm. say it's the same for me too. Like I do drag because I want people to see that like black queens are like amazing and black women of are course. like, you know, the cream of the crop. You know, <laughs> so um that's why I did drag. And at the time That's why we have RuPaul as as the, the most well-known drag exactly, queen in exactly. the whole world. Yes, you may not like her fracking or whatever, <laughs> but... You may not like her falsicity. Yes, you may not like how sometimes she does things, but RuPaul is going to go down in history as one of the best drag queens, at least for the next 200 years. Yeah, you she's, know, so. she's become a staple of yeah, history. She has queer solidified herself yeah. in queer history forever. And she is... A black woman. And she is a black <laughs> woman, yes. So, okay, my name, Winnie mm. Wakanda Washington. Winnie Mandela died on the 2nd of April, 2018. Rest in peace. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, Mama Mandela. Her daughter actually died last month, <gasps> which is... Uh, goddamn. Oh God. I think it was, uh, there are rumors that it's coronavirus-related. I but, was going to ask. Um, yeah. yeah, 2020 has been a year of just death basically yeah, um, but yeah ugh. at the time Winnie Mandela died and like you know the world loves Nelson Mandela but us South Africans we love Winnie Mandela more okay. she's the mother of the nation wow. you know so I uh, just right there and then when she died I was like when she died actually like the hospitals were filled with the name Winnie like the maternity wards yeah. when a child was born they named them Winnie, mm. you know? So there's this saying in South Africa that she didn't die, she multiplied. And mm. I decided that I'm going to multiply her too. So my yes. name's going to be Winnie, you know? And then... When you Black... popped out of the oh, <laughs> obstetrics... Wait, is that yes, how you go? Yes. <laughs> the OB ward, yes, exactly. fully grown and ready to with take over the teeth, world. Adult with, teeth, adult teeth in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um um as for wakanda black panther had just came out mm, and yeah. it was just such an important story for me to look at because i'm not even a superhero story fan mm -hmm. i'm not a hollywood <clears throat> movie fan to yeah. begin with you know but i when i watched black panther and i saw those warriors those soldiers and there was no man in sight mm. you know leading the 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 army leader was a woman mm -hmm. the head of the council was a woman yes. the head of the technolo technological advances in wakanda was a woman mm -hmm. you know so it was the perfect thing for, it was the perfect middle name for me to choose you know so i decided that i'm gonna go with that and then lastly Scandal, the series by the gorgeous, gorgeous Kerry Washington, mm -hmm. had just <clears throat> finished its last season in like the middle of April. Yeah. And it was one of those shows that basically changed my life. You know, <laughs> it changed my perspective of TV and I started loving watching TV again because of how she carried that role you mm. know that role was written for anybody it could have been played by a white woman sure 
But the way that Kerry Washington carried that role just said to me that, you know what, black women can be in leading roles too because we hadn't seen that before. Can you imagine 2011 and there weren't black leads on any TV show whatsoever? Really? In 2011? Yes. She was the first wow. in like 42 years or something. What? You know? Yeah, exactly. So it, to me, when I was growing up, inclusivity meant seeing one black person in a movie feeling yeah. filled with white people. You know? It, it. At least you mean like a show that was monumental or a drama like this. I mean, a show on a, an ABC show, an yeah, NBC okay, show, yeah. a Fox network I show. Could, like I these big yeah. networks, mm. they did not have any black leads, you mm. know? So until Kerry Washington came in and knocked that role out of the park, you know? And to me, I was like, so when this series ended, I said to myself, I really want to be Winnie Wakanda Pope, but <laughs> because Olivia Pope is a badass, you know? Yeah. And I love Olivia Pope more than I love Kerry Washington. Imagine um, <laughs> if you were... Winnie Wakanda Pope. Yeah, exactly. I thought that sounded weird. So I decided to go with the lead actresses. What are you doing? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I was just trying to move my mic because my legs started hurting. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, stretch out, stretch out. Okay, but after that, I decided that, like, I'm going to go with the lead actress's surname, which was Washington. Mm. And that's how Winnie Wakanda Washington the was born. Yeah. Mm. All right, so... Um, I think we have um, gone past this. So you guys keep tuning in for part two of this interview, uh, of this show. Well, we're going to go into how I came into the scene and a little bit more about what we think about drag and what we're interested in currently. Exactly. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so stay tuned. Mm-hmm.